Today's message was recorded live at the Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church of Louisville, Kentucky, a safe environment where people relationships become kingdom relationships. Find us online at www.friendlychurch.com. Open your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 1, again, verse 31. Genesis 1, verse 31, we will read Genesis 1, 31 to chapter 2, verse 2. Genesis 1, verse 31, I will be using New King James Version of the Bible. Genesis 1, 31 says, Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth, chapter 2, verse 1, Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished, and on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. What did God do on the seventh day of creation? He created rest and rested. Welcome back to Middletown Summer Series, Summer in 3D. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you this morning to thank you for giving us another chance to come before you this day to open your word and to instruct us once again. So we pray and I pray and I hope that the Holy Spirit will open the hearts, will open the minds of everyone who is sitting here today and will be able to receive your word of truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last Sabbath, we introduced the Sabbath rest and looked at our busyness. Because of our desire to succeed, we do not rest. And because we do not rest, we lose our way and we bypass the nourishment that would give us sustenance. And for want of rest, our lives are in danger. In our drive for success, we are seduced by the promises of more. Remember, we named them last week. More money, more recognition, more education, more satisfaction, more love, more information, more influence, more possessions, more security, more and more of more. And we also looked at the fact that the successful life had become a violent enterprise. We make war on our bodies, pushing them beyond their limits. Anywhere from work to sports, we do that to ourselves. We make war on our children because we cannot find enough time to be with them when they're hurt and afraid and need our company. We make war on our own soul. Because we are too preoccupied to listen to the quiet voice, to that still, more, still small voice that seeks to nourish and refresh us. And we make war on our communities because we're fearfully protecting what we have 
and do not feel safe enough to be kind and generous. The whole experience of, of being alive creates a, a standard of greeting everywhere. I'm so busy. You have heard it. And we say it with a degree of pride. The busier we are, the most important we seem to ourselves. And our lack of rest and reflection is not just a personal reflection. It affects the way we support church, the way we sustain community. It dictates the way we respond to suffering. And it shapes the way we seek healing in the world. And we take everything for granted. This is a review of last week's message. We consume things. We consume people and we consume information. We do not have time to save our life nor to care deeply and gently for ourselves, our loved ones and those in the world. So we rather use them all up and throw them all away. We got used to this. The questions we asked last Sabbath were, and we attempted to answer, the questions were, how have we allowed this to happen? How did we get so terribly lost in a world saturated and striving and grasping, yet somewhat, somehow depleted of joy and delight? May I suggest we forgotten the Sabbath. The Bible, when the Bible tells us that God ended His work on the seventh day, it implies that in this day, the seventh day of the week, God created rest. And rest is the rhythm of life. Sabbath is a way of being in a time when we remember who we are, Remember what we know and taste the gifts of creation and eternity. Sabbath is a sanctuary in time, if you will, not related to geographical coordinates or spatial coordinates. In Sabbath time, we remember to celebrate what is beautiful and what is sacred. Within this sanctuary the sanctuary of time, the Sabbath, we become available to the insights and blessings that arise only in this stillness of time. And when we act from a place of deep rest, we are more capable of finding the right understanding, the right action, and the right effort. Sabbath is a sacred time for sacred rest. Now, another principle we learned in the first sermon of this series last week is that Sabbath transforms space just as it transforms us. Remember, we, when, we, when we begin to sing here, when we started to sing here this morning, the sacred songs of worship here in this church, what did change? Nothing has changed, right? I mean... We have the same walls, we have the same doors, we have the same windows, we have the same roof, we have the same floors. But when we begin to sing those sacred songs, the space is transformed. And I love the worship set every time. I love to harmonize, I get all into it because it transforms this space that we have here. 
the instant the first prayer was offered here this morning, this space was transformed. The space is not different, but the time has been transformed. The space may be the same, but the time is consecrated and it transforms this space. Dear friends, Dear members of Middletown, friends attending, YouTube viewers, this summer series, Sabbath in 3D, this series is a plea for Sabbath keeping, for reminding the Sabbath in Sabbath keeping. It seems that due to our complex lives, we have forgotten the Sabbath, the physical, emotional, and spiritual Sabbath. This series is a reminder of the Sabbath in all of its aspects. That's why God calls us to remember the Sabbath. So last week we learned to remember the Sabbath. Today we turn to Solomon, who says... Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1, To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. To everything, Solomon says, there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1. When the Bible tells us that God ended His work on the seventh day, it implied that in this day, the seventh day of the week, God created rest. And rest is a rhythm of life. There is a time to rest, according to Solomon, and a time to work. Rest is Sabbath. Rest, Sabbath rest, is a rhythm of life. I don't know if you've heard of him. Back in the 18th century, there was this name, this man, living in Sweden. He was a botanist. His name is Carolus Linnaeus. He became so enamored so much into, I should say, with the rhythmicity of life that he grew a garden that could tell time. Why? Because all creation has a rhythm of life. Plants and flowers blossom at a certain time of the day. So, he planted flowers that opened and closed their blossoms an hour apart from morning to evening throughout the day. So when dandelions opens up, its blossom is 5 a.m. Did you know that? When the garden lettuce opens up its blossom, it is 7 a.m. And so on for the rest of the day. Perhaps the most recognizable quality of creation is its rit rhythmicity of life. Sometimes, yeah, I get myself, yeah, these words, rhythmicity of life. The pulsing light versus darkness. The expansion 
versus contraction. The tides were the seasons of tides. Spring versus fall. Growth versus dormancy. All of these are rhythms of life. And scientists call them rhythms of rest. Did you know that God created us with three types of rhythms at the creation? Circadian rhythm. The circadian rhythms are physical, mental, and behavioral changes that follow a roughly 24-hour cycle, responding primarily to light and darkness. Of course, light and darkness themselves are rhythms of creation. So we don't, we don't and we can't live in a vacuum. We live in the larger creation of God. So these, these Arcadian rhythms are found in most living things, including animals, plants, and many tiny microbes. So the study of circadian rhythms is called chronobiology. Circadian rhythms can influence sleep-wake cycles. They are actually determining human sleep patterns. And... Uh, Here's a bit of information how it works for us as humans. The body's master clock, or the SCN, controls the production of, production of melatonin, a hormone that makes you sleepy. And since it's located right above the optic nerves, the SCN receives information about incoming light. When there is less light, like at night, the SCN tells the body, trains the brain to make more melatonin. So you get drowsy and you fall asleep. <clears throat> there were studies or experiments done with plants and animals to see what happens if we manipulate the circadian rhythms. Circadian rhythms will adjust to an artificial light dark cycle, but only if it does not deviate drastically from the 24-hour cycle. So, a test on animals and plants for 11 hours of light and 11 hours of dark will gradually adjust to a 22-hour cycle. But as soon as artificial light is removed, that natural cycle returns. If the cycle is varied, for example, if, if the, the light is exposed 13 hours, and then the dark will be for 13 hours, so 13 each. The body will adjust to a 26-hour cycle. But as soon as the artificial light is removed, the natural cycle returns. So this is the thing. If the cycle is varied too much, if we try to do it a 30 or 35 or 40-hour cycle, the creature will give up trying to adjust and return back to its original 24-hour cycle. The ability of organisms to respond to varying periods of light and dark is called photoperiodism. That is why deciduous trees drop their leaves in the fall under the influence of the shorter days in the fall and grow leaves again during the lengthening days of spring. 
The truth is, despite all external manipulation of light, hours of sleep or changes in nutrition, even under the most constant laboratory, uh, uh, laboratory conditions, no organism can ever be completely uh, uh, adjusted away from the original inner rhythm. In humans, the amount of sleep needed decreases with age, but sleep is vital to our health. So, these, uh, these are very interesting concepts and interesting discoveries for me as, as I study this rhythm of life this, uh, this week. And even when you sleep, when you sleep at night and you work during the day, you cannot keep working all day, right? Can you keep working nonstop? No, you can't. The Creator placed in us what the medical professionals call the ultradian rhythm. That's the second type of rhythm that God put in us at creation. And this particular rhythm deals with intentional rest breaks throughout the day. Why? Your brain can only focus for 90 to 120 minutes before it needs a break. I know for some of us, might need much less than 90 minutes. So don't worry, the sermon will not last beyond 120 minutes today. So this ultradian rhythm is present both in sleeping and waking time. It was first discovered by Nathan Kleitman, who was a sleep researcher. He called it the best rest activity cycle, 90-minute cycle. So break time is very important. Every hour and a half, make sure you take your break seriously and don't do other work either. Don't do other chores or things. I am so guilty about that. I think I can rest and I... No, that's not resting your brain. Use power naps if you can and if you can afford it. Now, the third rhythm of rest created in us by God at creation is the circaseptum rhythm. Circaseptum rhythm occurs in cycles of about seven days. So it's a one week. The Encyclopedia of Time defines circaseptum rhythm as a cycle consisting of seven days in which many biological processes of life resolve. So God plays the circaseptum rhythm in the creation week. You know what that is? The Sabbath day. <laughs> the Sabbath rest. And, and how we look at rest in the creation week as the rhythm of life can be different. And I want you to think about this. This is more of an inductive message today. I want you to think. Which comes first? The work or the rest? The rest or the work? It sounds like the chicken and the egg, right? As I was studying for this sermon, I came across an article that really challenged me. Challenged me to relook at the creation week and the entire theology of Sabbath rest throughout the Bible. And you'll see that. So, I never thought about it this way, but God desires that our lives be productive and fruitful. But in order to do so, we must learn to live in the rhythm of life God intended for us. 
And the author writes, God's pattern from creation was to start from a place of resting and abiding in God to move toward fruitful productivity and then return to rest and abide. And then the writer looks over the creation week and says, beginning with Genesis 1, we see a pattern in the language of each day of creation. There was evening, and there was morning, the first day. There was a daily rhythm. Notice that the day begins when? At evening. We know that the day begins at sunset because we're Sabbatarian. We keep the Sabbath like Jew, like Jewish people do from sunset to sunset, from Friday night at sunset to Saturday night at sunset. So we know that the day begins at sunset. Yes, the day begins at sunset. Think to what happened at sunset before the days of artificial light, before we had all these lights. The family would gather, probably, probably for the evening meal, and they needed to complete that before the light was out, before the sundown. The family will gather probably near a fire or at a lamp and enjoy the meal. They had to talk, to tell stories, to be together. I think of Apostle Paul when he says in Ephesians 4.26, to not let the sun go down on your anger. Huh. It was meant to be a peaceful time, telling stories and being with family. It was, it was meant to be a time of physical and emotional nourishment, to enjoy food and fellowship together. After being together, it was time to sleep. I wonder how much, how much better we would sleep if we had a similar pattern today, right? After the night's rest, work would begin, right? And the author of this article argues that the pattern of creation was to work from a place of rest. Are we to rest before we work? Hmm. I was taught in many ways that rest is what comes after completing work. But depending on how you look at rest, if rest is what will replenish, if rest is what will charge you to begin with, oh, by the way, what do you do when you, when you buy a cell phone? or an, I, I bought a, a speaker, Bluetooth speaker, tower speaker that's, that I like to sing. It's, I love to sing with it. But you know... When I opened the box, had no power, it needed to be charged first before it goes to work. Yeah, it needed to be charged. First nourishment, fellowship and rest, then work and productivity. This is an intended daily rhythm. God intended us to enjoy this pattern of rest and work for six days, and then to enjoy a complete day of rest on the Sabbath, on the seventh day, to replenish, to recharge again. And what, 
somebody can argue and say, well, that sounds like resting from work. The scripture even says God rested. Well, more accurately, God ceased from all his work. But if you think about it, the rhythm of rest before work was already established. Because before the first day, God was enjoying the love and uninterrupted fellowship with his Father in heaven, with the Trinity, before everything else was created. And out of that overflow of his love, for an eternity of relationship and love, God created everything, and it was good. Rest one day, and work six. This is the pattern for each week. And I was talking, this is not in my manuscript, I was talking with Pam about this early as we were uh, on our way here about this topic. And we realized that, you know, I mean, we are so, um, we, we can actually fall out of rhythm if we work nonstop or if we rest all the time, right? The Bible doesn't teach that. That's not, that's not what God intended for us is work uh, Rest one day, work six. That's the pattern for each week. Rest each evening and then rise to be productive in the morning. Creation week. Rest, then work. As I reflected on this spiritually, see this is series is Sabbath in 3D. It is for our physical bodies. It is for our mental, for our mind, but it is for our soul, for our spiritual life. Jesus asked us to abide in him. Remember John 15? I preached probably three sermons since last year on that topic alone. He asked his disciples and he asked us today, the 21st century disciples, to abide in him. One of the spiritual applications of this commandment of Jesus is resting in the promise of his spirit. Yes, Jesus commanded at the end of book of uh, at the end of uh, uh, the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen and twenty. He said, "Go make disciples." He commanded them to go make disciples of all people, baptizing them and teaching them. But on that day, on the Mount of Olives, right before he was about to leave for heaven for good. He gives them another commandment that is directly related to the commissioning, the great commission commandment. And Acts 1 verse 4 says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. Notice Jesus did not suggest them. He commanded them. To wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then you go down to verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Also note in this passage 
Jesus did not say that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, and then you shall receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Did that, is, is, that, is that what Jesus said? No. Jesus commanded them to wait. Just like I did with Sarah. I said, wait, Sarah, don't, don't go. Not, not yet. You can't go into the world without the Holy Spirit. Jesus commanded them to wait to receive the Holy Spirit. Then go out and work with that power, propelled by the power of the Holy Spirit. And not just for witnessing, but for our Christian life. Before we go into the world every day, before we leave our bedroom in the morning, we ought to rest in the Spirit of God. We ought to receive Him, to let Him charge us, if you will. We got to get a charge spiritually. Then go out to live a godly life and be bold witnesses for Christ. When we look at the story of creation, we see that Adam first entered into God's rest since the Sabbath day was his first full day of, full day of life. So when, when he woke up, the first day for him was the Sabbath day. And after entering God's rest on the seventh day, he then worked. The same is true for our redemption. In Christ, God completed the work of redemption through his sinless life, death, and resurrection. Mankind begins experiencing God's redemptive work in their life by resting in what God has already done for them. We rest in the fact that Jesus died for our sin, for our sins, and He has given us eternal life as a free gift. We can do anything for our salvation. We must rest first and then live into that rest. Live our life into that rest. Paul says, There remains therefore a rest for the people of God, for he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from all his works as God did from His. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, that lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. That's Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 to 11. When we enter into God's rest, we cease our own efforts. The Sabbath as a rhythm of life is not just for our physical and mental refreshing. It is also for our spiritual life as well. The seven-day Sabbath is a type of our rest in Him for our redemption. The Sabbath rest is symbolic of resting completely in Christ for our deliverance from temptation and sin. So Sabbath and the Sabbath rest is important for our physical health. It is very important for our mental health. And it's just as important for our spiritual health. See, when God created Adam, He gave him the right, He gave him the night to rest, to rest first and then work. And as I say before, when you buy your cell phone, when you buy your electronic device, you first charge it. The same with your life. Rest, refresh, recharge before you go out. So how do we make a change? What do we do? 
Well, Lee mentioned in his prayer, this weekend is the Father's Day, right? Tomorrow is the Father's Day. So, I'm going to speak to fathers for a little bit. Men, fathers, between today and tomorrow, you have a Sabbath afternoon and a night. You got plenty of time to rest your soul, rest your mind, rest your body, so that tomorrow you can be the best father in the world. Right? How many of you would like to be the best father in the world? I want to. Right? You can do that. What will it cost me? You know, I know men ask that question. Yeah, well, men want to know how much it costs. Well, you got plenty of time to rest. So, physically, have a good night rest. Don't spend a day staying up. Rest your body. Mentally, listen to some relaxing music or podcast or read something about nature or do something that you know will refresh your mind. And spiritually, tomorrow morning, before you do anything, ask the Holy Spirit to fill you with His divine love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How about on the Father's Day, we have peaceful fathers? How about on the Father's Days, on the Father's Day, we have men, fathers who are self-controlled, fathers who are loving rather than angry, fathers who are, are faithful rather than unfaithful, fathers that are gentle rather than being brutal. And before you ask the Holy Spirit to do so, make sure you let go of all the negative thoughts, all your preconceived ideas, prejudgments, and prejudices. Let go of everything that will stand in the way of you being the best father of the world in the world tomorrow. See, it's not going to cost you any dollars. No pennies involved. It's going to cost your willingness and your desire to be the, the best father you, you can be. But you can't be the best father if you're not the best child of God. So men, be the best child of God tomorrow. Rest your soul your mind and your body before tomorrow, and you will experience the greatest Father's Day ever. Your wife will love you, and your kids will adore you. I can guarantee. So be the best father. Happy Father's Day. Amen.